When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Everything is moving so quick, so fast, developing, tweeting, and moving quicker than anyone can even type quick enough to keep enough with the scene right now. But we'll try our best to bring you everything that we're reading throughout the show, throughout the day at Real Vision, through the show and tweets and on our Discord. Here's why you should watch today's show. It's the day after as the crypto industry lick its wounds will access the aftermath of FTX collapse and Binance's move for it. A friend to Real Vision, Jim Bianco and Alice Valetis will join us live. I'm Elaine Lee, GM everyone, and your friendly crypto host and producer is here. Marco Oliveira is back. Now, Marco, I know just moments before the show yesterday, we were like, right, scrap the whole show. A lot of big breaking news is coming our way. Has the news fully sunken in yet? It really hasn't, Elaine. I think, you know, there's so many new things coming out every second. I just saw on Twitter that, you know, apparently Alameda's uh, recent balance sheet has been leaked. I don't know if it's true. We can't tell what's true, what's not. There's so much to go over. And so I'm really glad we have Jim and Alex here today to go over that. Us. Yeah, so much to go through. So we better get to the meat of things. But before we get there, don't forget, if you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to Real Vision Crypto. It's absolutely free. So hit that like and subscribe button so you don't miss it when we go live. And then with that said, so let's get a sense of the damage uh, in the price action. Okay, now taking a look at all the charts right now across the board, it's a lot of red today. The total uh, crypto market cap has fallen from around $1 trillion to less than 8 hundred billion dollars. Bitcoin is currently down roughly 15% in the past 24 hours. It's trading at around $17,000, which is not far from its two-year low in June. The situation is even worse for Ethereum. Um, ETH is down at some 23% on the day. The current price is just under 1200 Now, Coindesk reports over $700 million in longs was liquidated in 24 hours. Long are bets on price rises, Meanwhile, futures tracking Bitcoin and Ether saw $390 million in losses in 24 hours due to liquidations. Marco, what are you looking at? Well, Elaine, on that Bitcoin note, I mean, obviously it, it hit lower than what the cycle low has been. So that's that's pretty crazy news there. But I'm looking at some uh, notable heavyweights. They're all down. Uh, the native token of Binance BNB is down about 20% on a 24-hour basis. Uh, and that actually pales in comparison to Solana, uh, which of course was heavily backed or people are saying is heavily backed by FTX's CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. It's down a whopping, a whopping 45% on the day, currently trading around $17. Uh, and it's also no surprise that the worst performer of today is FTT, the native token of FTX. Uh, it tanked roughly 75% to around $4. I think it hit something in the upper threes yesterday. So it definitely been a, a wild 24 hours in length. I call it bloodbath on the streets, if you will. All right, let's bring in our guest, shall we? Macro guru and president of Bianco Research, Jim Bianco and Alex Velatis, v, uh, founder of Web3T and Web3Pills newsletter. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. 
Thanks, Thanks for having us. I wish it was under uh, a better situation than it is now, but here we are. Right. It would it would have been great if it was things were going up that we could be having this conversation. But uh, of course, you know, this is uh, the news that's been on everyone's mind, FTX and Binance. I, I think that the best place for us to start is to probably just kind of, you know, set the lay of the land, give get an overview going for the viewers. Let's start with you, Alex. Give us an overview of what you saw that happened in the past 48 hours with relating to this story. Yeah, so I mean, I think this situation actually really started a few years ago. Um, you know, FTX at this point is in many ways the number two exchange to Binance, um, even though Binance still does around 10x the trading volume. But back in 2019, uh, CZ and Binance actually were one of the first investors in FTX. And what, what became very clear was that as FTX sort of had this meteoric, meteoric rise over the last two years, was that CZ seemed to shift from looking at this little upstart to, wow, this is a real player. And back in 2021, uh, they actually, Binance divested from FTX. And as part of that, they got about $2 billion worth of um, FTT, which is the exchange token, as well as BUSD, which is a stable coin. And so, you know, whether or not uh, CZ knew it would get to this point, it did seem like everything he did uh, in the past 48 hours was done uh, with max uh, delivered with maximum effect, whether it was you know tweeting that they were going to liquidate all the FTT from their balance sheet to I think he did like a quote tweet on uh, you know like a whale watcher tweet that showed like 500 million uh, you know FTT moving out of their wallets. So it did seem for sure, at least initially, that CZ delivered a lot of impact on the price of FTT between both the actual liquidation from their balance sheet as well as the narratives. I think that's a part that got kind of lost here was the narratives that CZ uh, seemed to spin up causing massive uh, bank run on FTX where they saw about $6 billion in withdrawals in 72 hours. So that's an interesting backdrop. And you know, I don't know, Jamie, if you have other thoughts and I think a lot's developed since then, um, but it's, I think it's important that people understand that this has been something that's been brewing for years. And it seems that it hit basically this you know, inflection point uh, over the past 24 hours where things have gone really south. Yeah, Jim, jump in here. I mean, you're a TradeFi guy. Give us give us your view. So uh, things, I did send out a, a, a little tweet thread right before the show started. And in it, I said two things. I I don't, my personal opinion, I don't believe CZ was has this grandmaster plan that he was going to bury FTX in two days because it doesn't benefit him. I think they're a net everybody's a net loser in this. No one wins in this scenario, not even CZ with all the plunge in all of the coins. I think he was out to embarrass him because I think he was mad at him like a lot of other people in the industry were because of the money he was spreading around Washington to try and personally write the uh, crypto regulation bill. Uh, or as it was described, the FTX business model was gonna be written into law. And that's why I think there was this anger and he used the Coindesk revelations about the shenanigans between Alameda and FTX as an ex, as, a, as a venue to say, I, I'm gonna sell my coins, uh, I don't trust you with the regulation, I wanted to embarrass you, that's my thinking. Not, I wanna bury you in 36 hours. And that's what eventually what happened. I think what he didn't realize, what we all didn't realize, is how much trust SPF squandered in the last several months, especially with this bill. And that at the first sign of trouble, everybody ran for the hills because he doesn't have trust. 
I'm a TradFi guy. I could go back to I was around on Wash. Uh, I was around on Wall Street when Drexel went under in 1989, all the way through, and I could tell you what brokerage firms work on is trust. We put together things like capital rules and segregated assets and haircuts for risky things, but all that's to say you have to trust me personally to run this firm. And when that trust is gone, all the financials in the world don't matter. Everybody wants to get away from you because their money is at risk. And what SPF didn't realize is that he wasn't trusted. So at the first sign of trouble, everybody ran from him. And, be, and you know, this is Dick Fold at Lehman Brothers. This is John Corzine at FF Global in 2011. We've seen this movie over and over again. And when they start to run and the outflows start, the bank run starts, it's very, very hard to stop it. There's only one way to stop it. You need a larger entity that has more trust to come in and take over. In the TradFi world, that is a central bank with a printing press or a government with taxing authorities and armies to come in and basically say, now we're in charge, everybody calm down. In hey, the crypto just world, that doesn't exist. Jim, I'm Go just going to jump in there. I picked up a tweet from uh, Ryan Selkis, who basically is one of the really prominent voices talking about crypto regulation on the scene. And he tweeted out about 15 hours ago. He said, I have never trusted Sam. And I said as much to people I trusted. Um, it's one of the reasons I spent so much time coming up to speed on the policy situation the past couple of months. And obviously, I think just doing a quick Google as well in regard to that tweet, $39 million, which, which is what SBF is the second largest donor for the Democracy Party. This is so topical at the moment as people in the US is voted. I haven't kept in, uh, uh, on top of the mid the midterm elections. But do you know um, anything on, on that front? How's that planning out? Yeah, I mean, yes, he is the second largest donor to progressive and democratic causes behind George Soros. Uh, now I should say he was. In May, he, he famously came out in May and said he was willing to donate up to $1 billion to Democrat Party to prevent Donald Trump from winning in 2024. He doesn't even have $1 billion for right now. Less than that, yeah. Um, yeah, so so this is, you know, so there's three stories from last night. Uh, the red wave was a red whipple, you know, that the um, uh, the Republican wave, while it did happen, wasn't as nearly as big as everybody thought. Uh, and uh, there was the FTX story. And the third one is one of the biggest donors to the Democrat Party is no more. And that's actually going to have implications for the 24 election. So, yeah, he was there. And as far as what Selkis said, uh, I think what Ryan, he never trusted SBF. I think that's a consensus opinion. I think that's the consensus opinion. And I just think everybody was afraid to say it because of who SBF was. You know, there's a big difference between him and Brian Armstrong. Brian Armstrong is a trusted source. Brian Armstrong, we all know, is having private meetings in Washington to talk about crypto regulation. Completely fine with that. Because I know that his interests are aligned with the industry's interests. And I want him to go talk to them behind closed doors about it. SPF does that. Don't trust him. He's over there saying, this is FPS business plan. I need you to kill DeFi. I need you to kill my competitors. I need you to write a bill to basically make FTX even more important. That's what people were afraid of with him. That's why at the first sign of trouble, when you lose trust, whether you're Mike Milken at Drexel, 
2008, John Corzine, 2011, 2020, during uh, the COVID crisis, everybody runs because your money is at risk of getting trapped in one of these brokerage firms and you're not to get it out. And by the way, as an aside, uh, there is a story out that one of the largest maybe unsecured creditors might actually be Tom Brady and Giselle, that mm. they've got a significant part of their, he's going to have to play till he's 60. If he, if, <laughs> if the, if the stories are true about how much money he's got trapped. Uh, that joke. Yeah. We just caught that joke in the, in the, the, the pregame to the show. Yeah, we were talking about it. It's like something like they have, uh, I think, like 500, 600 million uh, in FTX. And so, yeah, this that's uh, definitely something that could happen. He could uh, Honest, yeah. be in a tough situation. Well, so, Jim, you mentioned this tweet thread. And and, and one of the, one of the um, you know, part of the tweets that was part of that thread is you mentioned that Bitcoin's price right now is signaling that the market is very worried about that CZ, Binance aren't going to acquire uh, uh, FTX. What do you, what do you ex explain that a little bit more? Yeah, so <clears throat> remember now FTX, now we're all probably thinking FTX, right? It's just a bunch of retail accounts. No, it's not. It's other brokerage firms. It's hedge funds. It's prop shops. It's VCs. It's institutional investors. Uh, it's all of them have their money in, in that firm right now. That money is trapped. They have obligations that they need that money to get to, to meet with. If they don't get their money, this will cascade into other problems. Remember when Lunaterra collapsed, then we got you know, Voyager and BlockFi and Celsius and Three Arrows Capital, and it kept going on and on and on. This could be orders of magnitude bigger with the a number of firms that are at risk. And it all comes down to whether or not Binance follows through, acquires is uh, FTX and makes all of those accounts whole. So I've looked at Bitcoin for the moment as like a thermometer as to whether or not Binance is going to uh, acquire FTX. And with it trading down at 17,000, flirting under it a little bit, the fear is, and you had the story up a minute ago, that this the hole that has been created is too big that even yeah. they can't fill it. And believe me, I, my take is he, CZ will fill that hole at personal loss because walking away could be worse, but he might have no choice but Man, to walk away because it's yeah. too, you know, because who fills it in TradFi? The guy with a printing press that's got an yeah. unlimited source of money. We don't have a guy with a printing press to fill this hole. That is what the due diligence is about. And that is what the concern is. So that's why I'm saying for now, not forever, for now, Bitcoin ETH price is like a thermometer and whether or not Binance is gonna make all of these accounts whole. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, I think, Jim, one thing that's uh, interesting that, like, I think got lost uh, in kind of the talk with a lot of people was the initial offer that CZ made 
you know, not only was the letter of intent non-binding, but it was actually for FTX.com only. So FTX, the exchange itself, has an international uh, market that it serves with FTX.com, and then it has FTX US. And, you know, it's really interesting that, you know, FTX US obviously wasn't involved uh, in that transaction but, uh, whatsoever. It was only the international side of the business, which seemed to suggest, okay, this is maybe a chance to raise some capital to help plug that hole. But at this point, what's more concerning is that there's not just concerns about FTX.com possibly having issues, but you know, what's the, the risk for FTX US customers? Are they gonna all be are they gonna be able to process all withdrawals there? But more importantly, I think is frankly Alameda research could be more damaging because as you pointed out, Jim, contagion in these types of events are very, very concerning. So Alameda uh, was obviously taking on debt. Uh, the question is, who were their lenders? Were their lenders other large financial institutions? Were they other cryptocurrency firms? And then secondly, how are they going to go begin to fulfill it? I think generally speaking, when you see this type of selling in mass, it's one of two buckets. It's either you know a fear-induced selling um, by actual retail, and then there's forced selling. And what appears to be happening, at least within the past 12 hours especially, is that the forced selling seems to be happening and this isn't just for selling from Alameda Research. This also might be their lenders who are looking at the situation and saying, I have a fiduciary duty now to get my funds out because I know that I'm not going to have my debts fully repaid in time or in whole. And so I think that those are my two biggest concerns right now, at least, are either A, the customers are not able to get their funds out of FTX, but perhaps even more damaging is what are the cascading effects on the rest of the financial and crypto industry if Alameda Research isn't able to actually, you know, cover its liabilities and suddenly we have a ton of firms that are not made whole. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a ton, we'll have a ton of lenders that are going to be holding worthless worthless collateral and that's going to be a big problem. You know, and this is going to be a big problem Alex for your uh, former stomping grounds, you know, um, Silicon Valley. I was just looking at a tweet here. Uh, Sequoia's uh, playbook is in rough shape. Zoom, DoorDash, Airbnb, and FTX, $420 million in FTX. Mm -hmm. So, wow. you know, you take a firm like Sequoia, and I mean, that's a blue chip firm when it comes to VC. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the playbook that they're advertising has got 100% losses, 90% losses, 80% losses in it. Uh, and so this is going to really start to really weigh on, you know, not just the crypto community, but the Silicon Valley community, because they're already hurting from what's been going on with all of the other problems that have been piling up in Silicon Valley as well, too. Not the least which I know you want to talk about a little bit later, but, you know, the big the big bloodletting that is happening at Meta right now. Yeah. yeah and like, yeah. like, um, sorry. And like we said, spreading into other parts of the area, right? Don't forget FTX has a stake in, um, Robinhood, I think roughly about 7%. And I just had a quick glance at some of the numbers there. Robinhood is down by 9%. Um, and Coinbase is down by 8%. Yeah. Great and that's after, on. that's, that's after Robinhood was down about 18% yesterday. Yeah. Well, Jim, I guess that, that really begs the question then how, how do you think, that this, well, actually, to both of you, Jim and Alex, how, how do you think this contagion is going to spread? Where where do you think it'll stop? Will it be will it stay within the crypto industry? Will it spread beyond that? How are you seeing that? Uh, I guess I'll go first. It it there is some leakage out of the crypto industry because it seems like whenever this story heightens, you start to see Nasdaq stocks and stuff weaken as a little bit too. So it will 
wind up, be, you know, I guess, like I said, it all comes down to Binance, whether or not Binance has the ability to fill this hole, whether or not a consortium of maybe TradFi people go to Binance and say, here's some capital, go fill that hole. Um, you know, that's always possible too, because they all recognize that they, they, they're all in this together and they all are going to sink or swim together with this thing that they've really got no choice to let this go. But if it is let go for whatever reason, yeah, I think that the contagion will go beyond the shores of crypto. It will go into tech stocks. It will go into the, the larger uh, risk markets as well. Like I said, look at a firm like Sequoia. Look at some of the other uh, firms, you know, Andreessen Horowitz, just to throw out a name. I don't know anything about them that's heavily involved in this space, too, and is heavily involved in a lot of, um, you know, traditional type of Silicon Valley VC stuff. It's going to affect everybody if, if this firm winds up uh, not being made whole by a larger entity such as Binance. Absolutely. What about you, Alex? What's your what's your take on that contagion spread? Yeah, I mean, I think part of the problem with this entire situation is we don't have transparency, um, which is one of the things that true decentralized finance is supposed to solve for. Um, I think it makes me actually a little bit sad sometimes when you have FTX, which is going to be described as, you know, a crypto firm to many. And the average person is going to think, oh, this is what crypto is all about, when in reality, a lot of the details of what their liabilities are are obfuscated. Um, what we do know is we do know who some of the FTX investors are. So I saw a tweet from uh, Frank Shaparo over at the block. He listed some of the larger investors in FTX from their previous rounds. This includes BlackRock, Sequoia, Paradigm, Tiger Global, SoftBank, um, and then more like crypto native firms like Multicoin. Uh, one you know really sad group to see on there was the Ontario Pension Fund. So you had people mm. putting their retirement accounts um, actually, you know, tied to an asset which could theoretically, uh, you know, be valueless at this point. So, you know, the question is, can these uh, firms collectively step in to do something? At this point, I'm hearing the balance sheet hole may be as large as $6 billion. And frankly, it's probably only going to increase as the sell-off continues since they're holding many cryptocurrency assets. Uh, in terms of wider contagion, you know, outside of just impacting those direct investors, you know, again, I think it really comes down to who was lending to FTX. And, you know, more likely than not, these are financial uh, services firms. They might, you know, have uh, cryptocurrency involvement. They might even be TradFi. But, yeah, that's going to be very concerning because there's now $6 billion unaccounted for. And I'd say the last thing that's, you know, also kind of sad from an industry perspective is that uh, FTX was a very uh, active venture investor. They had a venture arm called FTX Ventures. Uh, I know founders who have been uh, who have received money from FTX Ventures, and you know the question is if this whole thing goes under, you know the lead investor uh, won't be able to do follow-up rounds. It could affect you know the ability for some of these Web3 projects to actually sustain their operations over the long term. So you know I think it's it could get really ugly really fast, unfortunately. And you know it might also be a thing where we don't know for months. You know the last point I would make is. In the aftermath of Three Arrows Capitals, people forget this wasn't something that just, you know, was drawn up or uh, reached a conclusion within 24 hours. It took weeks, if not months, until the full unwinding began. And, you know, one could even argue that some of the issues happening with FTX right now might have actually been triggered 
by things that happened with 3AC a few months ago. So we just have to wait and see and uh, to learn more information and see who really gets hit the hardest uh, in this unwinding. So yeah, if I could um, just put a, a, a little bit of color on what you said, Alex, because I think it was, it was right on. Um, there's a $6 billion hole. How did that happen for people that maybe don't understand that firm term? FTX takes in customer money. You and me, we deposit our money in FTX and we buy coins and our coins sit there in their hot wallet. They took, this is some conjecture, some others, they took those coins and they transferred them to Alameda and they speculated with those coins over at Alameda. They lost money, primarily because their own token FTT fell so much. They lost about $6 billion. So they've got us, so as they transfer the money back from Alameda, to FTX, which we've seen on chain has been happening to the hot wallet. They don't have enough to transfer back to meet all of the customer funds that they're supposed to have. That is supposedly as large as $6 billion. So maybe it's smaller, maybe it's larger. Nobody knows because there's no transparency. And so in the due diligence, what an, um, a Binance is trying to figure out is how much money do we have to bring to the table immediately? Is it $6 billion? Do we have $6 billion to bring to the table? And what if we bring that money to the table and all that people, as soon as we reopen FTX, all that money leaves. It goes somewhere else. And we're down $6 billion immediately. Can we handle that? And if the answer from Binance is no, then they won't. And then they're going to ask themselves, but what are the ramifications if we don't? If we say we can't handle it, we're just going to sit here and watch our existing business fall apart as well, maybe we have no choice but to step up. So these are the types of questions, and that's where the hole comes from, is what did they do with the customer money? They sent it to Alameda, and what happened to it there? Because it was obvious from the on-chain activity, they were sending money back from Alameda to meet customer redemptions at FTX. That should have never have had to happen in the first place. That customer money should have always been at FTX, but apparently it wasn't. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. You know, I'm going to throw this to Elaine here. I know you were looking at a tweet uh, from CZ as we speak about transparency. Elaine, uh, tell me, what specifically were you looking at there? Yeah, so basically I was also going to add any centralized exchange right now that's issued their own token should be really be brought to light in consideration with amongst consumers because it's that proof of um, transparency. So this is exactly what uh, Jim was basically pointing out when CZ uh, tweeted, I think, was it yesterday? I don't even know the day, the month, the time anymore. But he said, all crypto exchanges should do Merkle tree proof of reserves. Banks run on fractional reserves. Crypto exchanges should not. Binance will start to do proof of reserves soon. Full transparency. What do you guys make of that? Who 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 do who shall I go to first? <laughs> go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I mean, I think transparency was one of the core tenets of what this industry was supposed to be built on. And I think it's a really good wake-up call and a reminder to everyone that, you know, we've drifted very far away from the original ethos. You know, I think there are benefits to having these large centralized exchanges. You know, you remove the friction of having to self-custody your assets, which, you know, maybe not everyone is comfortable with. But these firms have really run amok, uh, you know, over time. And this is, I think, just the latest example of what happens when you don't have uh, the open transparency that these centralized finance brings. And, 
you know, that one note too of just like, you know, I think a lot of people are going to ask, how do we get here? Especially considering, you know, SBF and uh, FTX, just the empire you built. And I think a lot of people forget that at his heart, I think SBF is a trader. Um, the only reason, you know, first off, he started with Alameda Research before FTX back in 2017. His first gig was actually, you know, arbitraging Bitcoin. And, you know, you don't get to this size launching an uh, exchange in 2019 to suddenly be, you know, debatably the number two exchange pre this event without gambling really hard. And I think the problem is, you know, for people that do trade, all it takes is one really bad trade and things to go down. But, you know, the biggest takeaway for me, again, is regardless of what they were doing, without the transparency, we are bound to find ourselves in this position time and time again. And we really do need to make some changes, whether it's adopting DeFi or, you know, having, I don't like to push for regulation. I think it can be very dangerous. But at the same time, there has to be some system that prevents this in the future, whether it's, you know, proof of reserves or something of that nature. Absolutely. Alex, you know, earlier we were speaking about user funds. Uh, you There was an Arthur Hayes article that you referenced. Is there, could you want to maybe touch on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I only had a chance to glance over it initially, but, you know, for those that don't know, Arthur Hayes uh, was the founder of BitMEX, which at one point in time was one of the top exchanges uh, in the world. And they actually ran into some legal trouble uh, because the way they were actually allowing U.S. Uh, customers to onboard. And I think Arthur Hayes was actually placed on house arrest for a period of time. So, you know, he more than anyone knows what it's like uh, to be in this position and working in this industry. And, you know, from the early looks of it, all signs, you know, point to the fact that FTX was probably rehypothecating customer funds. Um, and, you know, I think when we were like talking about this before the show, you know, I was, I think, you know, trying to, I think a lot of us are trying to, we know, I think deep down, but I think Jim, you know, to your point, you had a lot of conviction with it as well. And I think that's because all the signs point to it. Um, we, we don't have complete transparency, but the data we do know uh, paints a picture that FTX was in fact using customer funds and they were also commingling funds with Alameda Research and that's effectively what Arthur Hayes seemed to be pointing out in this article was like, you know, it'll be a while maybe till we have all the facts, but every piece of information we have right now looks really ugly. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does look like that. Reapothecation is a fancy word for me taking your money and using it to pledge a loan for myself. Uh, you know, so that's that. there's strict rules in TradFi that you're not allowed to do that. Uh, the problem, of course, with the crypto space is they're not subject to the TradFi rules. Um, and so you can you can do kind of shady kind of things along these ways. By the way, I completely agree, too, with your comments about DeFi. What I'm afraid of, you know, Oracle Tree's proof of reserves, that's a fancy word for saying DeFi. Uh, I mean, look at the Uniswap business model and the way that the Uniswap is. The Uniswap... If Uniswap is run as we understand it is, and we could see it on chain, it can't go out of business. All the coin prices can go down, 
but and we won't like that. But the exchange itself will just continuously exist. That is the model that we should be moving towards. What I'm afraid of is that Washington is going to, first of all, Washington is going to get involved because a lot of Democrats are going to be very embarrassed. They took a lot of money from a guy who's now shady. And so we're going to fix this. We're going to punish DeFi. We're going to shove everything in the CFI firms, and then we're going to regulate them the same way that we regulate the New York Stock Exchange, Citadel, and Fidelity. So all we'll have doing with all of this whole crypto experiment is turned into a digital version of what we already have. And then we have accomplished nothing if we wind up doing that. But if some, if some level heads start to look at it and say, the problem with centralized exchanges is they're always unstable and prone to blow up. That's why we have to have a, a central bank with a printing press and a government and the SEC and the FDIC and the OCC and all of these other regulators to sit on top of them because it's such an inherently unstable business. Let's look at DeFi. It's not inherently unstable. And maybe that's the way to go. That's maybe wishful thinking on my part that they're actually Washington is actually going to come to that conclusion. <laughs> I fear they're going to come to the opposite conclusion, but we'll see where it goes, you know, and how this thing uh, plays out. But don't discount the idea. Uh, look, two days before this happened, it turned out that the largest donor to the Oregon governor's race was was uh, FTX. And now, you know, the Oregon, the Oregon governor is going to be asked questions. Your largest donor just blew up and bankrupted a lot of people. Are you going to give that money back? Well, they can't because it's too much money to wind up giving back. So now they're deeply embarrassed. And so now they're going to wind up calling for punishment regulation on the entire industry because they've been deeply embarrassed. Absolutely. And to your point, you know, Jim, I saw some articles, you know, about the U.S. probing FTX over the handling of client funds and lending. So it's definitely something that. Yeah. Uh, and in three years, we'll have a really good detailed report and it'll be very, very useful in three years. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's well, the way the government works. Mm -hmm. Well, Lane, I know you're looking at another tweet from CZ. You're like, our, our, you're watching our Twitter thing. I know I think it's up here on uh, for on Nico's uh, screen as well on the Teams. Uh, let me. What, what is it saying? What is what is that tweet saying? I have no idea what tweet you're referring to. There's so many the, tweets. Are we looking at the CZ two big lessons? Yes, CZ yeah. two big lessons. Oh uh, well, there you go. You guys can see it for yourselves. Two big lessons. Number one: never use a token you created as collateral. Duh! Don't borrow if you run a crypto business. Don't use capital efficiently. Have a large reserve. Binance has never used BNB for collateral, and we ne uh, we have never taken on debt. Um, so, Jim, going back to what you said about transparency and trust, who do we trust at this day and age right now? I have no idea. Just in Discord, Disco Discord, I like to call it for the real visionaries. You know, someone's already just posted out a screen grab. Crypto.com is saying we're not allowing you to withdraw Solana. What's going on there? Yeah, so um, never use your, your uh, token you created as collateral. <clears throat> That's a printing press. If you're giving yourself a printing press in your basement where you could just you know, print up money as so you need it. Let me get this straight. Let me get this straight, Jim. Don't use the funny money that we made up to borrow more funny money because this funny money can go away very soon. Is that what? Well, that what yes, yes. Don't use the funny money we made up <laughs> as collateral to borrow legitimate money. That would be uh, so called tether. 
Very good. Oh, I'm take. I'm going to take all. I'm going to take all the monopoly money that I have, and I'm going to run to the bank and say, "Here's a bunch of monopoly money. Can I actually have you real U.S. dollars now?" And then, um, and then when everything hits the fan, you've got the monopoly money. You have just coffee. ruined every kid's dream when they're actually playing monopoly now going forward. <laughs> right. Well, that's what they were doing apparently over there was they were playing monopoly. That's what he means. That that that's what he means by uh, by that and. Uh, and as far as crypto.com, um, suspending Solana sales, I would assume, see, now that's concerning because what that suggests. I don't think it was, se- I don't think it was sales. Withdrawals. 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 What that yeah. suggests, what that suggests, and I, I could be off. I'll give you just, just from that statement. What that? Crypto.com has a bunch of accounts with Solana in those accounts. They all want out, but they don't have the Solana to let them out is what that sounds like. Where did it go? Uh, or maybe there's something else going on, unless it's an industry-wide thing that they're trying to prevent the collapse of the Solana token. Um, and that will be very difficult to do if you're going to try and suspend sales. A la what we did to Robinhood January of last year, uh, when, um, uh, or what we did to GameStop, excuse me, uh, not Robinhood, GameStop in January of last year when the selling got so, when the GME? price kept going up in the short squeeze. Yeah, the GME thing, yes. Yeah. Uh, we like the was, stock, that, Jim. No, I'm kidding. Yes, exactly, exactly. And actually, so, Jim, it looks like see. it looks like it, they're suspending USDT and USDC deposits on the Solana blockchain. So I don't know what what that impact is. I mean, what, what do you make of that, Alex? Yeah, I mean, so with the exchanges, it, it could be a couple things, right? Um, just to kind of hedge a little bit here, it could be. You know, number one, they might have the reserves, but they might have some like cold storage system and there's basically a bank run that's happening so quickly. They they need the time to like go do it. This is again, a very favorable take, but you know, maybe something uh, that could be there. It could be even just, they could be having such strain on their systems right now that they're actually having outages and stuff like that. Um, you know, talking to a lot of my friends that worked at Coinbase in the early days, there were times where they, they just straight up couldn't meet the demand and the load on their servers. So, you know, the optimistic take for, you know, other exchanges would be that they have the funds and there's just some type of delay either from technical uh, issues or from just having to take time to withdraw the funds. Um, I did want to, though, touch on CZ's tweet because I, I think it is kind of interesting, like for people that don't have like the full context on like Binance's history, uh, Binance was actually involved with launching their own layer one blockchain. Uh, it was originally called Binance Smart Chain, and they rebranded it to BNB. Do any of you guys have an idea what BNB stands for, by the way? Uh, no. Is no. it their burn? I think there's something with Binance their... Babies. No, it's uh, <laughs> Build and Build Blockchain. That's literally what they rebranded it to, if you can believe it. Build and Build. But uh, part of the reason they did that rebranding was because they wanted to distance Binance uh, from the blockchain uh, for regulatory reasons. I think there's something, you know, kind of interesting about CZ making this tweet because, you know, BNB chain has been one of the tools they use to grow. And I think FTT, frankly, modeled or FTX modeled their FTT token off of BNB because for years what uh, Binance did was they would actually allow BNB to be an exchange token where you could actually exchange with BNB, get a discount on those transactions. And then what they would do is they would take a third of the profits every quarter, they would buy BNB and then they would burn it. 
hence increasing the price of the remaining tokens. And so it's kind of interesting that CZ is making this point. I mean, maybe they never use tokens as collateral, but there is something uh, almost deeply ironic because I would uh, venture to guess that FTX actually modeled a lot of FTT off of what CC and Binance did originally. Yeah, absolutely. Right. BNB um, is, is an important token. I mean, I don't have CoinGecko in front of me, but isn't it number three right now after B, BTC and ETH? Yeah, um, if you so, Tether market cap, yeah, it's the third largest uh, for like a native blockchain. Right, so right. it's it's a significant token. And, and if, the, if there's going to be, if you said... It's down twenty percent today. That's that. A lot of people are losing money here. Losing serious money. Yeah, okay, uh, I, I need to uh, move along because we can have the the line open all day. So I do want to just you know when we have these big conversations, so much stuff is being thrown at us. I do. You know whether you're retail retail uh, investor watching this, whether you're coming from the institutional background from this. We at Real Vision have macro heads and crypto heads. I sort of want to wrap up this conversation with some of the key takeaways of what we just discussed over the last 40 minutes, believe it or not. Okay, so my takeaway is: all right, Brian Armstrong might be the uh, the new DC boy and the face of crypto regulation going forward. And then for me, everyone is sort of in the crypto space, whether you're personally invested or you know, however you're away, uh, involved in the crypto space, is basically turning into MI5 mode. You, uh, we want to basically find the trust and transparency, go into the deep holes that we we do in crypto uh, by investigating and you know, just really ask ourselves how big is this hole and where else will it spread to? So uh, just very quickly, Jim, I want to get your big takeaway from just all the things that we discussed in the last 40. Yeah, I, um, I, I want to react to your, one of your takes. Uh, I'm perfectly fine with Brian Armstrong being the voice of the industry as opposed to SPF Someone being the voice be. of the industry. Yeah, and, you know, his his interests are aligned with the entire industry. His interests are not aligned with next quarter's profits at, um, at Coinbase. And that's why I think he's a better voice uh, from that too. I also think that the other big takeaway here is, I understand, look, I'm a TradFi guy, so I deal with no coiners all day long that, you know, uh, this is all a crypto thing. This is all crypto. No, this is, this is the inherent instability of the current TradFi system applied to crypto without a central bank with a money printer to try and oversee it. And so what crypto needs to understand is the old system, which you're trying to do away with, bringing it into here, into the crypto world, is the problem. That was Celsius's problem. That was BlockFi's problem. That is FTX's problem. DeFi, I think, is the answer. And so I hope that more people's, you know, in positions of power and in positions of regulatory authority, view it that way. Instead of saying, no, the answer is the old system on the new system with just more regulators. That yeah. is not the answer. Yeah, complicated stuff. Alex, very quickly, because I do want to try and fit into one viewer's question. Um, you know, very, very clear what you said there, Jim. Basically, CFI is not DeFi. Um, Alex, past 40 minutes, what stuck out to you very quickly? Yeah, I'd say the biggest takeaway is now's the time to go embrace crypto fundamentals and actually move to true DeFi. That means not your keys, not your crypto. Get your uh, funds off of exchanges. Don't be the last one out. Learn what it's like to basically self-custody and have financial sovereignty. And then, you know, let's hopefully get people in Washington that actually want to see the future of DeFi and crypto 
uh, as opposed to what maybe SPF was pushing for. All right, my team is going to kill me. I don't care. I'm going for it. Okay, from YouTube, what does this do to Binance credibility overall? Marco, you want to have a go? Uh, in terms of the Binance credibility, uh, I don't think it uh, really affects Binance's credibility. I think obviously, I think it's more of a credibility issue for like the whole industry when people see this kind of thing happening, you know, and then this kind of soap opera being played out in real life, or you could say, you, you could you kind of say, I think it kind of uh, affects the credibility in, in, in for the whole industry. And we, we mentioned earlier, the regulators are going to see this and see this as, a, as an example to, to kind of regulate, to kind of save face. I think Jim mentioned earlier something to those lines. And I think that if if that's the case and people start kind of really looking at uh, the crypto industry that way, then it might, there could be some, some ramifications. So that's, that's how I see it. Well, Jim, Alex, Marco, it is great. I'm so thankful to have all of you here to really make sense of everything. Don't forget to describe. Oh my God, my EP is typing. Get the screen off. Okay, don't forget to subscribe. RV is free. Those of you watching, uh, hit the like button. Tomorrow we'll bring to you fresh an, uh, analysis with See the Light. You do not want to miss that if you care about price action in crypto. See you tomorrow, 12 noon Eastern, live on Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Stay safe out there.